Welcome to the Capital Edge Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that this inspires, challenges, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into the message. Amen. Good morning, church. You can take your seats. It's so good to be in church today. All of these changes coming are so exciting as well. Bit of normalcy, even though this time has been amazing. We have so much ahead. It's awesome. Today, I want to share with you from a story that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 25. So if you've got your Bibles with you or your apps with you, Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to start this morning. It says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. You do not know the day or the hour. I, in my family, I am one of four kids, and readiness in our house was sometimes questionable. We had four siblings. We were all at the same high school at the same time, which was a good thing based on our ability to get ready. But we all went to the same school. Dad would do the run in the morning before coming here to church. And I remember getting ready in the mornings for school being completely chaotic. I remember there were some mornings where people hadn't done their hair, people still eating their breakfast, people were half dressed. And for me, I hated being late. Being late is stressful for me. And so often I would be ready. I'd have all my stuff together. Occasionally I wouldn't, but often it would be dad and me waiting out the front in the car, beeping the horn, waiting for someone to do their hair or to finish their breakfast or put their clothes on properly or change their shoes or whatever it might be. And then at least once a week, mum would run out with somebody's lunchbox as we're pulling out the driveway or at least once a week we'd have to turn around and go back to pick up someone's textbook. But it was chaotic. Readiness was not big at that time of my siblings' lives. And me, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but mostly them. <laughs> And I realized that not much changes actually when you get married. 
<laughs> Most of the time, somebody is waiting for somebody. And let's just say, in my house, it's not usually me. But some people get distracted quite easily, I've found, and distract themselves out of getting ready. And all of us are different in that sense. But today, I want to talk about readiness. And I realized often we're scrambling because, or we're rushing around because we aren't entirely prepared. If you are not prepared, the alternative is to be scrambling or to be rushing around. And often whether we're scrambling or rushing around or whether we're prepared is based on the importance of the place that we're going. You see, I didn't want to go to school. Well, I still managed to get ready though. But <laughs> school is not something you desire to go to as a teenager a lot of the time. And so getting ready is one of those things that you kind of procrastinate through. It's not that exciting. But can I tell you, if we were going to the zoo, that everyone could be ready in 10 minutes flat. They would have hats on, sunscreen on, sunglasses on, sneakers on, ready to go, and we would be pulling mum and dad out the door. We even had a song about going to the zoo. I'm not going to sing it for you today, though, because <laughs> that's embarrassing. But we had a song about dad's taking us to the zoo tomorrow, and we looked forward to this event, and we were ready in the morning. And I guarantee that every person in this room, if you were meeting your favorite celebrity or you were meeting the queen, that you would be prepared. You would be ready to go. You would have your flights booked. You would know what you're going to wear. You would change your language to be suitable in that person's presence. You would have every I dotted and every T crossed to make sure that you were ready for that trip, for that encounter, for that journey. And church today, I want to bring us back to, and I want to remind us again of the fact that our life here on earth right now is in preparation for the day that we arrive in eternity. And we stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of heaven and of earth. And we are all on that journey right now. We are all in preparation right now. And often we lose sight of that. Often we treat that as a trip to school rather than a trip of the highest importance. And on that day when we meet him, he will know if we just accepted the invitation and then didn't show up or put it to the back of our mind. He will know if we set him in our priority for our life. He will know if we spent our time looking forward to the day of being in his presence. And he will know if we are prepared, if we're excited, if we're ready, if we gave our best, if we desire to look our best in his presence. He will know. The Bible tells us that we all have to give an account of how we lived our life when we get there. And I don't say that to scare anyone this morning, but that is the truth that's in the Word of God, is that we need to be ready. We need to be ready. So today I want to talk about being ready to go. Being ready to go. I think if we're being real this morning, some of us aren't living our life in preparation. Or with that in mind, some of us get a little bit distracted. 
at times and some of us are a little bit lost here and there. Some of us just maybe aren't as excited or living with as much purpose of our destination. And some of us just don't realize the importance of what that means. Just like in the parable that we read at the beginning of this story of the 10 virgins, some of them were not prepared. And what happened to them is they ended up missing out altogether. They ended up being rejected as strangers. The words spoken to them was, I, do, I don't know you. I don't know you. They all got the invitation, though. They all started the journey, though. But only half of them made it. Not all of them made it. And the thing about being ready for this particular trip that we're on is that the Bible tells us that nobody knows the time. Nobody knows the hour. You don't know the second that you might pass on into eternity. We don't know the hour that Jesus is going to return. We don't know. And readiness matters because each day lived here equates to one day closer to one eternity or another. And we need to be at our best and ready to go at any point, at any point. And I'm not, to, I'm not talking this morning, please hear me, I'm not saying anything about earning our way to heaven because that's not the case. But there is a long journey between the time of accepting the invitation and the time of rocking up to the party. There's a journey in between and I'm talking about preparing your life so that it is recognized with Christ so that it is recognized with Christ, that your life has been so fused, so attached to Christ for the duration of your life that you are recognized with Him. I'm talking about the difference between living for Jesus this morning, living for Him. There's a story in the Old Testament in the Bible of God's people, the Israelites. And the story, the journey that they go on much is alike our journey towards eternity, but they're on their way to the promised land. And God sends this guy called Moses to lead the Israelites. First of all, they're in captivity. They're in Egypt. They're um, operating as slaves there, and they are captured there. And Moses is sent, first of all, to free them. And then he delivers them out of Egypt. I know a lot of us know the story. There's lots of plagues and God does amazing things. And there's the parting of the Red Sea and all these miracles happen. And God is with Moses and he delivers these people. And they've been camped out at the Mount of Sinai for a while. And God asks Moses to continue on this journey to lead the Israelites into the promised land that has been promised to Abraham before. And they embark on this journey. And it takes them 40 years. And I want to use this journey this morning just to explain to us some of the importance about being ready. And the first thing that Moses does when asked to continue on this journey to the promised land, is that he establishes that the only way to make it is with God. The only way to make it is with God. You see, when God asks Moses to take the Israelites on this journey, God is frustrated 
and ticked off with the Israelites because one second they're praising God. The next second they're making a new God. The next second they're complaining to the real God about the fake God and all sorts of stuff. And they're getting, and God is frustrated with these people because they are fickle. And God says to Moses, I want you to take them into the promised land and I'll send an angel with you, but I will not go with you. And Moses goes back to the people and he tells them what God has said. He says, God has recognized that you are stubborn and you are rebellious and you are not doing the right thing. And so he is not going with us. And then Moses goes back to the tabernacle where he speaks face to face with God. And he reasons with God on behalf of the people. And after that time, he is begging God that if God does not personally go with them, that it's not an option. In Exodus 33 verse 13, this is word for word what he says. It says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth. See, Moses knew that the only way he could make it was with God, was with God. He had been in relationship with God. It was God who led them out of Egypt. It was God that made a way where there wasn't a way. And Moses knew that better than anyone. And so he knew that the next leg of the journey was not possible without God going with them. And in the same way this morning, church, we need to realize that, and we need to realize and be adamant with our lives that the only way that we can make it into eternity is with God, is with God. In John chapter 14, Jesus has a very similar conversation with his disciples. And he's explaining the same thing about entering into eternity to his disciples. And he says to them, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. Now Jesus is telling us that if you live 
your life on your own, if you are not connected and being led by Jesus here on earth, you cannot be ready to live with him forever in heaven. He's saying, I am the way to my father. Connect your life to mine and you will make it. You know the way by knowing me. And the same goes for us. We know the Father. We are prepared for our place that he has prepared for us in heaven because we know Jesus and we are connected to Jesus. Another way that Jesus said this was as we read in the beginning, going back to that story, back to that parable, and only the people who entered with the bridegroom are the people who entered at all. They are the only ones who entered. Every single part of the Bible points to the fact that without knowing God, without accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, and without having a relationship with Him through the Holy Spirit, that we will not make it to our final destination. Moses knew it. Jesus explained it. And then after that, he goes on to explain about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But every part of the Bible points to the fact that the only way is with God. The only way. It's not enough for us to just check the box or to send that RSVP to that invitation and then put it in the back of our mind. We need to know Him. We need to go with Him. As Moses wanted God to go with them. He wanted to follow God. Our life needs to follow Jesus. That's the difference between living for God and following Jesus rather than just being a Christian. I think a better explanation of being a Christian is following Jesus, following Jesus. And what does that look like? That looks like the example that Moses said. It's saying, God, unless you are with me in that area, I don't want to go there. It's saying, I want my relationship with Jesus to influence the decisions that I make for my life at every point. If Jesus is not with me, if God is not looking favorably upon me, then I don't want to go there. And that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, to live life with Jesus. The second thing that we need to do to be ready is we need to stick to the plan to stick to the plan. The Israelites partway through their journey. Now this is like this is like a five season TV show, right? So it covers five books of the Bible. So I can't give it all to you today. But partway through the Israelites' journey, they start getting really tired and really frustrated in the middle of the desert. And it's funny because they've seen the amazing provision of God. They've been given food literally from the sky when they've run out of meat. They've seen at every point God going with them. But they start complaining and they get frustrated and they get hot and bothered and tired. And they start complaining with things like this. They start saying, at least in Egypt we had shelter. At least when we were slaves, we went in the sun all the time. They started saying, at least we had meat to eat, not just this bready stuff. I'm a bit bored. 
No, they started looking back to their old life in Egypt as the better option for where they were right now with God on their way to what He had promised them. And the same goes for us sometimes, is that when things get tough, we can start viewing our old life as the better option. We can start to see things through distorted, rose-colored glasses that our old life pre-Jesus was easier, that it was better, that we had what we needed, that we could fulfill ourselves. And the thing is that both life in Egypt and life in the desert were difficult. Both versions of that were not easy all the time, but one of them had God in it. One of them had God in it. And it's often in those tough spots where we need to remember that life with God, as we talked about previously, is better than our previous life, where we were dependent on satisfying ourselves. Church, we need to stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Turning back to that sin, turning back to that habit, turning back to that love of money, turning back to that previous career option, turning back to that use of language, turning back to that mental state previously. Those things are what will railroad you from entering into the promised land. Those things are what distract us and tempt us away from the abundance that God has for us, that He paid for on the cross with His life because it was of that higher importance. Don't allow your hard seasons with God to let you believe that things were better without God because it's a lie. It's not true. We need to keep our heart set on where we're going. We need to remember that God is right there on the journey, that His next provision is right around the corner. We have to have faith for that. We need to remind ourselves that He has a plan for us. He has prepared a room for us. I can't imagine living anywhere better than the room that God has set up for me. Your reward is in heaven. You have treasure stored up there from your life that far outweighs anything that you could satisfy yourself with here on earth. Right now, we have to remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is temporary, hang on, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, is eternal. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart along the way. Don't give up along the way. There are dry seasons in all areas of our lives. There are dry seasons, but be thankful for the manner in those seasons, not grumbling for the meat. It's so easy to do. Living life for Jesus can turn into comments like, oh, what I would give for one Sunday where I'm not serving in church. 
or it can turn into so many things, so much grumbling about his very provision, about his freedom, his liberty, about so many other things. Be thankful for his sustenance at every point. That's my testimony is, no, I haven't lived some other life. I've grown up in a Christian home, but my testimony is that God has always sustained me, that I've never wandered away because I know that what he has to offer is the best that I could get anywhere. And he has sustained me. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's just eating manna and getting by, but he is always there. He always provides. I want to encourage us this morning as well that while we're all headed for eternity, that each of us has a different journey. We're not all on the same trip, but God has a unique plan for each and every person. The things that he wants you to do with your life are specific to you and are different from what he expects of anyone else. And the thing is, if God is in it, don't run from it. Don't run from it. He is there. There's another guy in the Bible called Jonah. And Jonah was asked to do something by God, and he didn't feel ready. And so he freaked out, ran in the opposite direction, was on a boat, big storm comes, gets chucked overboard because he ran from where God was sending him. And this giant fish comes along and swallows him, turns him in the other direction and spits him up on the beach to go and fulfill what God has asked him to do. And it's an amazing story, but I want that to be an encouraging reminder this morning that God's plan comes back around for you. Is that if you've missed the boat, if you've made a decision, if you've gotten distracted, if you've been fearful of the things that he has asked you to do, that his plan comes back around. By the grace of God, you have a second chance. And that giant fish was not Jonah's punishment for doing the wrong thing. But it was his second chance at sticking to the plan. It was his second chance to stick at what God had asked of him specifically. And the same goes for you today, is that if you've lost sight, if you have not kept God at the center point as your compass for where you're going for your life, that there is a second chance. There is a second chance. The last thing that we need to do to be ready is to look our best. To look our best. Now, later on, Moses was asked to pass his leadership on to a guy called Joshua. And the only reasons that we really know that God chose Joshua at the beginning to be the one to lead the Israelites into the promised land was that he trusted God. We knew that he trusted God. He came back with a good report when everyone else saw the hardships and the negative things that he trusted God. And the second thing was that he wanted to live a holy life. And as we read about Joshua's life, we see his decisions of wanting to look his best for God. See, wanting to live a holy life is the mark of a relationship with Jesus. 
it is not what starts your relationship with Jesus, but it's the mark of being in company with him, of being in a close relationship with him. It's the equivalent of wanting to look your best. Living a holy life is the equivalent to wanting to look your best. I have a photo up on the screen behind me. In a second, this was my wedding day. And I know a lot of people in the room can relate. But for that day, we were engaged for six months. And we were preparing the whole time. We were getting things ready. We spent hours to make sure that everything looked perfect. And this day would be special and memorable and important to us. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate, even if it's not being married, to having a day like that, that you prepared for. And on that day, I knew that I didn't want to be standing there in my pajamas, with my hair going everywhere, with no makeup on, looking an absolute mess in my backyard or in the middle of a paddock somewhere, because I hadn't organized anything. I knew that that was important to us. You don't want to stand there with bad breath, half ready, looking like you don't care about your relationship and the commitment that you're making to somebody. And I said right at the beginning that whether we're scrambling or whether we're prepared is often based on the importance of where we're going. I was so prepared on that day because I knew the importance and I loved who I was going to meet on that day and I wanted to look my best. I wanted to look my best and sometimes we drag our heels through our life half asleep like we're getting ready for something we don't want to do, like we're getting ready for school in the morning rather than living a life with purpose and excitement and joy and expectation because we're on our way to meeting the love of your life that has obsessed over you from the day that you were created. Your Savior, the person that died for you, the person that saw you with the greatest importance ever. And that is who we're on our way to meet. That is who we're on our way. The person that you should be dressed to impress for is Jesus. He's the only person that we should be dressing to impress for. And like I said before, it's not because he cares what you look like when you come to him. It's the mark of being in relationship with him and honoring him with your life because being prepared now for him says a lot on the other side when you come face to face with him. And he looks at you with pride and joy for the life that you've lived here now. In Colossians chapter 3, it tells us what this looks like. It tells us what it looks like to be dressed to impress. From verse 12, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. 
Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs like we did this morning to God with thankful hearts. That's looking our best. The way that we show up to church is looking our best right now for God. The way that we worship is looking our best for God right now. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's how we look our best for him. As we wrap up this morning, we're going to pray in a minute. But I want to pose the question to us all this morning. Are you ready to go? Are there things that you need to change today, right now in your life to be ready? Whenever the time comes, do you need to bring God back into the picture again? Do you need to do it with Him, not on your own? Again, do you need to turn away from your old life once and for all that you keep looking back to? for satisfaction? Do you need to start pursuing again His plan for your life? Do you need to ask Him to help you clean up your life to be able to give Him your best? I know that I have things this morning that I need to change to be ready, and I'm sure that we all do. Church, if we can bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. You may be here this morning and you may not have started that relationship with Jesus. You may not have even began that journey. And this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity, or if you're watching online, this opportunity is extended to you as well. But if that's you this morning and you say, I want to be ready to enter into eternity when my time comes to go to the place that God has prepared for me. If that's you this morning, I'm going to count to three. And all I want you to do is raise your hand and I'll acknowledge it and you can pop it down and then we'll pray. One, two, three. the thing I want to pray for this morning is just anyone who would say there are things I need to change in my life today I want to be ready and I'm fixing things up right now and if that's you this morning if you have a heart that says that this morning let's stand together and I'm going to pray and then we're going to wrap up if that's you just stand now thank you Lord Father God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that it is possible for us to come and be with you for eternity. Jesus, Lord, let that be of the highest importance to us today, God. And for the rest of our lives, Lord God, I pray that we 
would have the perspective of heading to eternity. Lord God, I thank you so much for your sacrifice, Father God. I pray that right now that you would instill in us the things that we need to do to include you on that journey, Father God. Let us be tied forever so tightly to you, Jesus, as our Savior, as our director, as our guide, and as the person that we love with everything we have this morning, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've given us, Father God. I pray that you be with us, Lord, that you continue to teach us about yourself, Father God, that we would experience life to the full that only comes from knowing you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Capital Edge podcast. If this ministry has impacted your life or you've made a decision for Christ today, we would love to hear about it. Please get in contact with us on our social media accounts. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week.